0: What would you like the power to
1: do? Mobile banking
0: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two, in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your
1: pods. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commanders beat reporter Craig Hoffman.
0: Welcome in to take command, Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson, with you and uh, Logan. Let's see if I remember how to do this. Uh, let's see if, as a married man, I can still podcast.
1: Yeah, seriously, you got it. Uh, I mean, like, well, first off, let's talk about your wedding. How'd that go? Okay. How was Europe? Can we hit that at like Cliff Notes Absolutely. We got to talk football. Uh,
0: yeah, no, we will. We will certainly spend most of the uh, the pod on football, but. Uh, it was amazing uh it was it was a dream come true it really was um everybody at the place we went uh, in Scotland where we actually got married was incredible um it was like Scotland. a villa or
1: something like a castle. yeah it
0: was it was a castle uh basically uh ali uh the the guy who owns it uh like it's been in his family for centuries and um he was just like he's just like this like mythical man who can do everything like the kind of guy that can tie a bow tie um, yeah, right. which is very important on your wedding day when you can't tie a bow tie and all of a sudden you realize that what you thought was going to be a clip on bow tie is an actual bow tie that needs tying. So thanks to Ali for, uh, for getting me straight on that one. But, um, just, it, it was so cool because it was just our friends and family, uh, on this, this estate and, um, you know, we, it was, it was just magical. And then we went to London for, about three days afterwards. And I fell in love with London. Now it was funny because I was having a conversation with someone yesterday who goes to London somewhat frequently for work. And she was like, yeah, I don't really like London because I just associate it with work. And I realized that my love of London might also have to do with the fact that I was on my honeymoon and literally had zero responsibility and like ate in nice restaurants and got to do all these things that I'll never get to do again if I ever go back to London or when I go back to London. But it it was just awesome. Um, everyone's so orderly over there. Like it's, it's very British in that way. Um, like, you know, in DC when people are like, Hey, stand on the right on the escalators in the Metro people actually stand on the escalators on the right. So it's like, there's, there's just an order, um, and organization to things that was really nice. And I, I quite enjoyed. Um, but it was just, people are great. Uh, the food was incredible. Uh, and we had a, we had a pretty amazing time and, uh, you know, a weekend awesome, change man. in a marriage big so, fan
1: so how many uh how many people were like you said it was family and friends how many people
0: yeah we had about 30 people um oh, so it's it pretty nice. Easy, pretty small, small nice and intimate yeah. which is also nice because like we, we were together for a couple of days and as opposed to like your typical wedding where it's like everyone comes together on the wedding day okay. and like you know it's 150 people and if you're the bride and groom you barely get to see people like we got to spend right. genuine time with with like 30 of our
1: closest people so that was that was pretty great and then I'm only going off on Instagram. She didn't wear a dress. She wore like a suit. Is that- no, no, no,
0: it was, that was, that was Friday night. Um, so she did the have the, the wedding something. dress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had, we had these pretty slick matching white suits on uh, on Friday yeah. night for the rehearsal. But, uh, she did, she did go a very nice, beautiful wedding dress on Saturday. I was in like your classic James Bond black tux. And, uh, People people have said we look nice. So that's nice. We're, I mean, we're very nice excited right now, for the... So. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mike. I can only imagine that you'd look t-shirt. with a suit on, yeah. Um, that'd, be, that'd, be, that'd be a funny bit if I just put the tux on for the pot. <laughs> I I bought it. I didn't rent it, so I could. Don't threaten oh, wow. me with a good time. Don't threaten Why, me with a uh, good
1: time. Why'd you buy it? You know, a tux is the kind of
0: thing that like so often enough you need one that if you're going to have really? to rent it... Yeah, like if you got friends that are in weddings and things like that, you you know... All right. I mean, I've never,
1: I've had very little cause in my life for a tux. But like the thing
0: thing is they don't, they don't go out of style. Right. So like if in 20 years, assuming that I still fit in said tux or you just get it, you get it nipped and tucked or Uh extended, uh, you know, if 20 years, if I'm at a wedding and I need a tux, like this tux will still work.
1: I mean, I feel like some tuxes go out of style though. Like maybe those are suits I'm thinking of like, you know, like your, your dad's like blue frilled, you know, like prom suits
0: suits definitely go in and out both in right. terms of like colors versus not styles like cuts but a tux like a black tux never always always right. will be in timeless you. so guess, yeah. you know i ahead and made the investment uh but that's it's not what people came for uh I, I also by the way i i have a list of british sayings that i like better than american sayings Let's um, see our, uh,
1: Let's do like two. Well, we got. And two.
0: then I'm I'm going to give the full list and make Anthony guess what they are on the radio. Um. So oh, we'll look, look at nice. that. But uh, like even even when we were landing and we were waiting for you know the ramp the jetway uh, is what we call it in America they call it the jetty. Uh, oh. we go wait for the jetty uh, and then That's... we'll we'll pull into uh, into the airport here. Uh, were people so that mean was... to
1: you because you're from America, or were they pretty? No, tall?
0: people were so nice. People were That's so good. nice. Uh, I think my other favorite one uh, was like, you know, you know, a sign like if, if, you know, dogs are very popular in Europe, just like they are here. Uh, and so like, you know, hey, don't let your dog poop here. They yeah. say they cut. It's it's a sign. that says no fouling.
1: No fouling. I like that yes. one, actually. Yeah, I like I that like a it. lot.
0: I like that a lot. Uh, it's a lot better than like, no. And then a dog like taking a dump on a sign with like, like yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the cancel little. sign over <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, so no, no fouling. Hey, get your dog no out there. Uh, So with with that said, if you want more fun British sayings, (laughs) the Hoffman Show, 3-6 to on the Team 980. Uh, We'll obviously spend a lot of time on the show on the radio this week, getting ready for uh, the Jacksonville game, which is how we will kind of spend the podcast today. We will take a harder look at Jacksonville on Thursday's show. But for today, uh, we're going to take a look at what's happened since uh, Logan and John talked on Thursday with the roster, which is actually a couple of significant moves. Uh, we'll talk yep. about some of the challenges of preparing for week one uh, when there's no tape or anything like that, especially when you've got a team with a new head coach like Jacksonville does. Then we'll take a look at some predictions for the season, some over-unders, things like that. Um, I do have to say though, Logan, I listened to Thursday's pod. You guys giving me gruff for not, uh, not, not hopping on Zoom on my honeymoon. Hustle I mean, culture's dead.
1: It can die. I mean?
0: I'm, I'm allowed to take a break
1: obviously john was being facetious and i was being facetious as well but you know it would have been nice for you to get taken out. i mean yeah what, what time would it have been even it would have been what is it what like time did you guys ahead? record i think it was probably like two in the afternoon oh, it would uh, sorry,
0: i would have been 7 p.m i sorry i would okay today. Yeah,
1: so it's, it's five hours so it's ahead. a five hour wow
0: yeah by the way the jet lag is absolutely crushing us I'm we sure have not made it to 10 p.m uh since we've been back <laughs> absolutely just dying uh around eight thirty. um anyway all right so Let's start with the roster news. Uh, as I pull up my notes, I, I, I'm on the wrong note. Now I'm on my list of British sayings. Uh, hey, uh, let's talk about how they say lift instead of elevator. Um, the, biggest, the biggest thing that's, uh, I think, pending right now is the health of Cam Curl. Um, curl report according to Ben standing of the athletic had a thumb injury that may have required surgery. Uh, all we know for sure is that he was at practice in a cast, not participating last week and that his status is unclear. Ron Rivera never, uh, one to give a lot of information on injuries anyway, uh, stuck to the, Hey, we don't have to give an injury report till Wednesday last week as we sit here recording this on monday uh you're hearing it likely on tuesday we are obviously a day or two away depending on where you are the space-time continuum away from learning more uh from rivera himself so um let's let's pose the question this way logan like if cam curl were to miss even one week how significant of a loss is it for this defense and what is it exactly that they would be missing
1: yeah, so that's a, that's a really good question. And I think, you know, when we talked, when I talked with John, one of the things that stuck out to us both about the roster is that they kept fewer DBs. <clears throat> Obviously, they've remedied that to a certain extent, but they've kept fewer DBs and a and a kind of a normal number of safeties, hoping that some of those guys could have positional flex. And so now with Cam out, you lose some of those guys and their ability to kind of be position flex guys, right? So with Cam out, it's probably Forrest, and I would think Forrest or Percy, I think, um, obviously we haven't been lot to watch practice, but kind of near the tail end of the practice viewing period, Percy had kind of started taking over, I think a little bit more responsibility in the defense. Like he was playing nickel a little bit more, getting more burned at safety. And when you talk to guys in the building, they're very, very excited about his upside and his potential. And I could see him kind of stepping in, right? He's, he's a dynamic athlete. I think he could work on his, um, his tackling a little bit. Uh, not not as tackler. I think he's a fine tackler. Just like the physicality at the tackle, I think is the thing I'm I'm kind mm. of pointing out there. So but basically now,
0: saying like he's not doesn't bring the physicality into a point that at the NFL level there might be some broken tackles if he's not uh, a cleaner yeah, I mean, finisher. Or like what's the what what's the outcome here?
1: So so yeah. So I think the thing with him is like he's he's a so, he's a sound tackler, but I think there's times where you see like a moment of indecision right before the hit about like what am I doing here and I think it leads to kind of this this ineffective tackle like he's not thick enough on the on the runner usually or sometimes that only happened a couple times and I think that's something that you know that comes with experience comes with youth and um and I think that's something that can can get corrected but again like having Cam in there is a very sure tackler something very different and then also one of the like we talked about Percy and his ability to play nickel like now if he's going to be starting who's going to play your nickel if Benjamin St. Juice gets hurt so that's kind of what this wheel starts here, right? Is you were kind of, it seemed like they were kind of counting on him to be the backup nickel. Now, if for whatever reason, he jumps for us and is starting at safety, you don't have a backup nickel that you feel really good about because obviously Danny Johnson and Corn Elder are on practice squad and you can bump those guys up obviously, but they didn't have the best of preseasons. So who's going to fill that backup nickel role is a big question. So again, like that's what this does. Like obviously you're taking a very good player off the field in cam curl, but I think the other thing is like now all of a sudden because of certain roster moves you've made, it's kind of this weird musical chairs and you're going to have to put somebody in at a position, whether it be nickel or safety, that you don't feel that great about right. or you I don't feel have- like overly confident about
0: right and and a big reason for that is the communication and and I thought you and John did a great job of talking about this last week of like when they had that stretch in the middle of the season last year where they played well defensively, like you could yep. literally see the communication and cam is a huge part of that having a guy who has a deeper understanding of what's going on versus a rookie or a second year player in Butler or Forrest like one, you're missing some of the physical traits and the sure tackling and and those types of things that cam curl brings, but you're also missing one of your key communicators in the middle of that defense. Uh, that, you know, that, that could be the the type of thing that kills you. Um, you know, that's how you bust coverage. That's how you give up big plays. And we know that big plays are what makes you lose games in the NFL. So that's a huge, huge loss if he's out for any extended period of time. And frankly, even if he's out for one week.
1: Yeah. And I think like, I'm really glad you wrote the communication because that's something they've just done like exceptionally well with over the course of training camp and even through the preseason. I know everyone wants to get on him for poor coverages, but when you watch like down to down, that group is playing very well. And so, yeah, like you said, when you're taking a piece out of that and you're putting in a new piece, a rookie piece, probably whether it's Forrest or Butler. And, I, you know, like I said, the thing about tackling, it's not like he's a bad tackler, but I think that area of his game could improve. And obviously Forrest, I think Forrest is kind of the fan favorite for that spot. And he's a great tackler, but again, a little, not as dynamic, not as fast, not as fluid in coverage. So it's kind of a give and take there about who you want to put in. But again, like that, those four guys have done a really nice job. They have looked excellent in terms of communication. Then five, if you count Benjamin St. Jude. So taking one of them out, I think is just one of those things that is, it's going to be detrimental. Like, like you know, right. and you mentioned Cam being in the center of the defense. I, I personally think Bobby McCain is more the genesis of that communication, and right. so that'll that piece will be there. But again, Cam is just so dynamic; he can kind of do multiple things in the context of the defense, and he's such a. You know the other thing he's excellent at is covering tight ends, and you're losing that skill set, right? You're losing a guy who's at a high level cover tight ends for a long time, and hopefully it's not. it's Hopefully the injury is not a long term thing, and hopefully he's back soon. But again, like those are the things that all of a sudden become question marks when you don't have, um, you know, like I want to say established depth at the position because I think you have a lot of guys who you feel excited about. Like I'm excited about Forrest. I'm excited about Percy, but you know, what happens when they have to play an extended amount of time. And that, that becomes a larger question.
0: Right. Of course, one of the biggest uh, acquisitions for the Jags uh, this offseason was Evan Ingram. So yeah. they have got a, a guy at tight end who can be dynamic, a lot of drops, which is why he's not in New York anymore. But a guy who can be dynamic, um, certainly. And a, they also a tight, have a guy
1: in and Dan, they have a guy like Dan Arnold, too, who is, you know, maybe not the biggest household name, but a guy who um, is very productive. And so I think that's another thing like that. They've got two solid tight ends there. And uh, as well, who's played a yeah. lot of NFL football. So. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be – like you're definitely going to have those kind of matchups uh, week one against Jacksonville.
0: Um, the other thing with Cam, though, that I, I wonder is depending on the injury, depending on the surgery, if he could play with a cast. Um, obviously, yeah. you know, it's – it's not going to be as easy. It's not going to be uh, as, you know, if, if a ball hits him in the hands, you're a lot less likely to catch it. Um, but if he can, if he can basically put a club on it and go out there and play, like that's something that happens in the NFL on a somewhat regular basis. And so yeah. um, depending on the injury, perhaps he can get out there. Hopefully it is not anything long-term, um, but if it had surgery, then theoretically that surgery, that, that, you know, incision is going to have to heal. And so we'll see how long that happens. Uh, the other, I guess, biggest roster, uh, move is a guy that I'm very curious to see what they do with. That's John Bosick. They bring him back. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy that they've certainly had their eyes on since they let him go in the offseason. Uh, he signed in New Orleans. New Orleans let him go. Uh, Ron said that they had their eye on him and they were they were like almost ready to move and then they didn't when New Orleans signed him and, and then they were impressed with what he did in New Orleans. I look at him as a guy that I hope doesn't play a whole lot, that, that I right. hope is there in a more mentorship role, but like I don't know if you went back and watched any of Six New Orleans tape. I certainly didn't. I was in London uh, and in Scotland getting married and on my honeymoon. Uh, but, uh, you know, a guy that up and down career in Washington wasn't playing that great before he got hurt last year, um, but certainly has an immense amount of knowledge and is the kind of player that we've talked about bringing into that room basically all offseason.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's... You know when they make the signing it just seems like a very natural fit and like you said you hope he doesn't have to play a ton but i think having you know i, I thought we talked about this was fletch i talked about this with john a little bit i don't know if it was on the air or not it all just kind of bleeds together <laughs> right but um the uh but i think you know some of the things that i learned most like some of the people that taught me the most were players not coaches right they just teach you how to watch film. They teach you what they look for. They teach you how to study. They teach you how to break down a game plan. They teach you about tendencies of of the, the opponent. And I think that having a guy just in the room who, you know, from what I understand, like John has told John Kime has mentioned that, you know, he's got kind of coach potential after football. Yeah, he definitely does.
0: I cover Bostic uh, his first year here and absolutely 100% see that.
1: And so having a guy like that is 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 extremely advantageous because it maybe he can kind of give those guys some insight maybe he can say hey jamin like i know we've got this crazy you know 500 page run install in but you know in reality they just do these three things like i used to do that kind of stuff when i was in atlanta for the young guys hey like i know we got all this stuff in these blitzes in but like if you really look at the sheet it's like these three so I'm prepping for these three blitzes you know and I think like just having someone with that kind of experience who's like I don't have to cover my own ass the same way a coach does right I can just be like this is what I this is what I find helpful as a player and I right. think that that kind of stuff is huge for um you know you know for young guys and especially if he's if he's willing to do that you know I think that would be really really helpful for a guy like Jame and a guy like Holcomb who are you know stepping into larger roles within the context of the defense this year.
0: Right. So here, here's something I've, I've struggled with and trying to make sense of this. Um, it, you know, there's been a ton of criticism for good reason for Ron and, and the front office since they've been here of like doing things way later than they should have, you know, sure. and the, the, the most notable example being putting landed at the Buffalo nickel, like everybody knew that's where he belonged and they waited till it's what, six games into the season to do it. Right. And it's like, Hey, like we all knew what you're waiting for. and, to a point, I feel like this is that again, where you're like, okay, they signed a veteran linebacker when everyone knew they needed to sign one. But there's also a part of me that goes, well, the details matter here, and you're not game planning or anything like that in the precinct. Like, Bostick's value as a mentor is actually far greater in the regular season. So my question to you as a guy who's been there, both as a guy who's been mentored as a young player and who did some mentoring as an older player, like you just said, in Atlanta is... like. Is this actually like, uh, I don't know what the word is. Like, is this a smart move to do this now? Or did they miss out on a lot of his value by not having him there all spring and summer?
1: I think that's a good question. I I don't know if there's a right answer for that, quite honestly. I think one of the things that you kind of lean on if you're a coach and if you're trying to, you know, put your head on the pillow at night is that he was here last year and the guys know him really well. So like establishing those lines of communication won't be as challenging. Because one of the things about mentoring is building relationships with the young guys, letting them know that they, that they can trust you and that you can kind of show show and shepherd them the way uh, to being a successful NFL player. And so that step, which would be a big offseason step, you know, going out to dinner with guys, kind of getting them to stay after in terms of film, like he's probably already established those relationships a little bit. So I think that that's probably okay. You know what I mean? That's probably right. okay. And like we talked about, sometimes with certain players, and I think this is probably true of Cole. It's nice not to have a veteran kind of like looming over you. Right. Does that make sense? Like you And that, that's kind why of... I
0: said what I said in terms of like, I actually wonder if this is the best way to do it for this yeah. one, where it's like, and let Cole be the guy all spring and summer. And now that you get into the regular season, he's got a little bit more confidence, a little bit more oomph in the room. Right. But you now bring in a guy who Cole can still be that. John can kind of lay in the background, but also then pull Cole aside and be like, Hey, uh, by the way, also X, Y, Z.
1: Yeah. So I think like in the context of Jamin last year, having Bostic around more was probably beneficial early on because he can kind of, he can kind of bring the, you're expecting the young guy to start. But when you've kind of decreed already that Cole is the starter, it's nice for that guy to kind of say, I don't need anybody telling me what to do. I can establish my own leadership style. And, you know, that's, you know, good mentors know when to kind of push and when to step back. And it would be interesting to see if if John would have like stepped way back and let Cole do his thing, but um again that's that's part of the process for sure is is I think with Cole specifically uh, becoming the mic, not having anybody here to kind of talk over him and like kind of like hey man you should like this just is going to breed a confidence and so now bringing Bostic in I think at this point allows him to get all those benefits of film study and and kind of the, the mentorship element that maybe he gets now assuming that Bostic wants to and can and is capable of doing that. Um, which would be extremely beneficial for a guy like Cole. But I do think establishing his own leadership philosophy was huge.
0: Right. And as, as I said with the timing too, like the the institutional knowledge is far more important in the regular season because you start game planning. and right. There's just like the basic stuff, like let Cole establish all that stuff there. Let Jamin establish that there. Let the lines of communication be what they are there. Then you bring in a guy who can go like, all right, against Jacksonville – Against Doug Peterson, who I yep. played before, uh, right. this is what you're looking for. So I think that there's there's extreme value. And I actually kind of like the timing of it in a weird way, even though yep. it does feel like a, quote-unquote, oh, classic, yeah. like, oh, they did this way too late type of situation. Or like an afterthought, uh, kind
1: of, yeah. But- right.
0: Uh, all right, last couple of notes real quick. And we don't really have to say a lot on these unless you have more on these. Just sure. cleaning up loose ends. Uh, since last Thursday when you and John – Uh, we're on. Uh, We were trying to figure out what was going to happen with Brian Robinson. Uh, He is now on the non-football injury list, so he'll miss at least four games. I mean, hopefully, obviously, that's all he misses and he's ready physically and mentally to come back. Um, That's a longer discussion, but now at least we know. Uh, Curtis Hodges uh, goes to IR, which is expected when they kept five tight ends, so he'll miss at least three, I believe, Uh, although it might be four. They keep changing the freaking rules, so nobody knows. (laughs) Uh, He'll come back when he comes back. Uh, And then they also signed two cornerbacks you mentioned that they were a little light in DB uh but they signed Tariq Castro Fields and Richard Wild Goose so those guys are in and we frankly don't know a lot about them at this point uh they also by the way at, at the linebacker position they also brought back David Mayo and put Dejon Harris down to practice squad interesting little roster shuffle there but um that's a that's a pretty smart room now with Bostic Mayo um you know Cole and then then Jamin coming along uh in his second year as well so uh just that's that's where the roster stands now uh we'll see any updates with curl on wednesday and we'll react to the any new news on thursday
1: i know that we don't know a lot about those guys but i know there's a little bit of buzz about those two dbs in the in the building like this someone somewhere was like man they're really talented they're very twitched up you know and again they might be trying to sell you something but um i think that that's always uh encouraging when because sometimes coaches are not excited about the guys they brought in because those are like you know, the, that's like the ah, we got of, we got someone. Yes, what yeah, have. right. And so I think that that's that's also encouraging. It'll be interesting to see how those guys develop over the next couple of weeks. Uh,
0: they can be excited about it, but those two dudes do not have a lot of experience. Uh, I think for, <laughs> I think one's a sixth round pick, though, which is kind of yeah. exciting from a talent standpoint. But yeah. at the same time, it's like oh, uh, they if something happens with Fuller or, or Jackson, like they are they are super young at corner. Um, Definitely which kind not of how what the I league was is expected. right now yeah right.
1: definitely not what i was expecting from like a signing standpoint you thought it would be like i don't want to say Bostic esque but someone who's played right. football who's got some experience who could come in and hold down the fort for a couple of games and so obviously they kind of went the uh, the, the total opposite direction and got to trust yep. that they uh they know what it's they're hard. doing they understand
0: yep good veterans aren't aren't available in mass right. um you know because if they're good and they're a veteran they're probably playing somewhere um right just, it just is what it is